Hello and welcome to the last Open All Rs of the year. Uh, I'm joined by no less than four QPR fans. We were a little oversubscribed for this one, as well as the current Championship Manager of the Month. Um, first of all, we've got the brilliantly named George Sexton Kerr, um, who tries to keep Charlie Austin in check on TalkSport. Hi, George. George, can you hear us? This is ground control today. <laughs> we'll come back to George in a minute. Okay, we're also joined um, by James Doe, who was, uh, as, as well as uh, being the mastermind behind non-league day and coming up with the idea for the Tiger Feet Walk for our very own Tiger Cubs. Um, he also uh, keeps the trains running or helps to. James, how are you? I'm very good, thanks, Chris. Great to be here at last. Yes, indeed. Um, and for, former colleague of mine, I should, should say. Uh, we're also joined by Paul Finney, who you might have heard of. But I was doing my little bogey thing there. This is ground control. Terrible. Yeah, um, the, the fur is keep going up. It's your fault. I'm not yeah. happy. Well, I'm sure we'll hear plenty of Paul throughout the podcast. Um, <laughs> and then we've got Jacob Tingle, who's a university professor in the USA, who was supposed to be flying in to see the Bournemouth game. But because of the current situation we all know about, um, those dreams have been thwarted. So sorry about that, Jacob. But thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, we did ask you earlier, but what, where are you, Texas? I'm in San Antonio, Texas. Yes. So a little bit warmer than here, presumably. Wearing shorts and a short sleeve shirt today. Yeah, thanks very much. Go, <laughs> Shane. Um, <laughs> and then we're also, hopefully this time, George, can you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Um, there we go. T turns out I didn't have the mic plugged in, which ah. um, working in radio for nearly five years now um, doesn't say much about my career, but good evening, <laughs> everyone. Um, how are we all? Yeah, we're good. So this is George Sexton Kerr. George, I hope your middle name is uh, influenced by the legendary QPR manager. Um, it's not, but it's, it's double-barreled, uh, the surname, which um, I, I don't mind it, but it's a bit annoying typing in on the phone. You know, you have to uh, keep changing and putting the old... Um, it's, just, it's just a bit long and just a bit long-winded to explain to people. Uh, okay. And also, I think that over email, I think people think I'm a lot posher than a, a part I am of your data I start you... talking. Oh, <laughs> you share a similarity... Um, with our, uh, our final guest, in that you uh, spend a lot of your time trying to keep Charlie Austin in check. Is that right? Uh, I do, yeah. Basically, after we win or lose, I normally text him after a few too many beers. Um, it, whether he replies or not is another thing. But uh, maybe Mark might do the same. Yes, and that, that, that brings us on to our final, last but definitely not least, uh, Mark Warburton. Thank you so much for joining us in, in what is a very busy time for you. Now, pleasure, Chris. Firstly, I would never text Charlie Austin after a few beers. I wouldn't text any players after a few beers, George. So, um, not not words of wisdom on your part. I'll ignore those. But, uh, no, like Chris, <laughs> nice to speak to everyone. Nice to yeah, be you me. too. You too, Mark. So, as we record this, it's Christmas Eve Eve. Um, we've got our first game for three weeks in three days' time. You've got no idea if the, if the game definitely goes ahead, whether or not some players will be fit, and whether or not the African Cup of Nations players will still be available. Apart from that, how's it going? Apart Welcome to the podcast. It's <laughs> as clear as day. And that literally is it, Chris. We don't know. We're waiting to hear on Afghan. Um, because of the game being moved, as you guys well know, we don't know if they go with the 26th, 27th, 29th. We just don't know. Will the tournament even go ahead? Again, clarification is going to be received hopefully shortly. Um, and then, of course, you see more games. Two Premier League games go today. Four championship games have already gone 
if that number increases, I'm not sure where we're going to be left, but it's a, it's a difficult time. But all you could do is, is concentrate on your squad, Chris, and, and see what you have day before the game. Simple as that. And I suppose it's a silly question, but I mean, after three weeks without a game, um, I guess you really want this to go ahead, if at all possible. Yeah, you do. And I, I, you've got to be very careful what you say. There's no lack of desire or preparation, but we've had the last seven days training with groups of seven and eight. That's been it. And then we welcomed back yesterday the boys from isolation. So we had 18 training, which was nice. But again, some boys just been eased back in. Um, and it's, again, when you don't play for three weeks, I remember we were at Rangers in Scotland and we we had we beat Celtic in the semi-final and we had the final three and a bit weeks later and we couldn't find a game. We came down to Tottenham and played their, their youth team, would you believe? Because it was the end of the season, everyone had gone. And not, not having a game can be can be a real negative, Chris. So I hope very much we've worked hard today. We'll work hard again tomorrow and hopefully be in good shape for Monday. OK, Paul, I'm sure you've got something to ask the manager. Well, I'm just thinking about texting people when you're drunk, something I would never do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Especially with my dyslexia, there's one for Bill Good. No, um, it must be really confusing. I suppose my biggest fear, maybe it's, it's a bit stupid, Mark, I don't know, is that we end up missing more games than certain other teams and we're going to have a hell of a fixture back up towards the end of the season and how we fix all the games. And because... The FN, I don't expect you to, to talk about this or comment on it. They don't seem very sympathetic. It's just like, get the fixtures done. We've got the World Cup coming up next winter. So I am worried that we're going to end up with a, a massive fixture pile-up that could damage our squad of injuries. And it's not the biggest squads. All I, would, all I would say, yeah, you're right, Paul. I mean, you saw what happened. We had those three pre-international uh, run of fixtures where we had seven in 21, I think it was eight in 21, seven in 21. And the result was six injuries, three or four, which long-term, eight to 10 weeks plus, two of them, not till February. So that tells you the impact of that type of schedule. All, I, all that confuses me is we have a run of Saturday to Saturdays early in the new year. There is room in the calendar if need be. Bear in mind what we went through last season and have so far this season. There is room to move one or two games. So I just wonder if we are really looking at every opportunity, Paul. Are we worried about FA Cup replays, for example? And then you see in one fell swoop, there's no replays in a couple of the first two rounds. Mm. So there are solutions to be found if we look hard enough. Um, and I'm not accusing authorities of anything, far from it. I'm just saying I think there are solutions and, and we've got to be careful. We can't afford to be in that Rotherham situation where you have six or seven games in hand and you haven't got the squad to play the games. Yeah, that's, that, that was my main worry. And also, it must be hard because we've become into such good form as well, Mark. It's totally disrupted everything. I know it's a, a, a serious thing. I know there's nothing that we can do about it. But how do you think this is going to affect things in the January transfer window? Say, for instance, are we going to sign players that aren't faxed, faxed or what? Is, is it, do you think is, is it, football's going to be a changing point in this now because of all this? I think we're near a, a dangerous... You look what happens at the NBA, Paul, as you know, the, you know, if you don't vaccinate, you don't play. You look at what's happening in Germany in terms of vaccination and treatment and not and having to pay for your own treatment. I wonder, we've got over here the PFA, which is a very powerful players' union. So if you start to talk about mandatory vaccinations, I'm sure there'd be a, a real fuss and stink to pay. But I don't think we're too far away from a point whereby clubs are going to demand. Because if you have unvaccinated players who then have to isolate I'm not saying continually, that's too strong a word, but on two or three occasions, and they're getting paid, but they're not available for selection. I think we have issues being raised and their supporters buying their season tickets and not being the best players, not seeing the best players available or not seeing the best players fit to, to perform. There's various implications, Paul. So, you mm. know, I'm sure clever, more, smarter people than me will deal with that. But I just, I just think 
It's, you just can't touch the surface. Look deeper and look at how many aspects, how many people are actually impacted by this situation. And it's, it's significant. It does worry me. By the way, just to say, we're getting feedback from someone's phone. So I don't know if it's yours, Chris, or, or what, but something's going on. Yeah, it's Chris. <laughs> no, it's not. Hang on. We're okay. feed- Can well, anyone else hear it or is it just me? But I'm hearing a bit of a feedback. Well, we'll just stay, apart from Mark, we'll just stay on mute when, we, when we're not speaking. George, uh, can I bring you in now? Um, Mark, this is obviously, it's pretty crazy times for your manager, right? You've got um, uh, COVID outbreaks, games are being played. You've got a few key players that look like they could be off. Um, what's the feeling like in camp after a few games, you know, not playing? What what are the lads like? Are they are they raring to go? Is it is it just frustration? Or has there been maybe a bit of a well-needed break for some of the lads, just a bit of time to rest? Yeah, I've got to say, George, there's two sides of the coin. You know, you've got the boys who have been injured, and we had some significant injuries, as you know. So it's given them a bit more time to get prepared. So it's nice to see Lee Wallace, Linda Dykes, now, but Adoma on the training pitch. Where they are in terms of match fitness and match availability, we'll see in the next couple of days. But it's nice to see them back out there, which wouldn't have been the case, for example, at Sheffield United. At the same time, the boys, it's a really good group, George. You know, player managers talk about the groups of squads, and but that these are a really good group and they get it. They understand that it's COVID, it's happened, we've got to deal with it. The frustration is, as Paul pointed out, we're in a good run of form and in a good place. And Sheffield United was a great game for us. Um, so now we have to wait and see where that's scheduled. I think the concern for the players is, where does that put it? Are we going to end up playing Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, what we had before with West Brom and Forest, etc. So I think the trepidation is more about the, the scheduling, but they recognise it. It's COVID. Many, many clubs are, are facing these problems and they're a really good group. So we're looking forward to Monday. It's a great game. The, you know, we have to make sure we're at it. They're a good squad. They're in a difficult place, George, in terms of had a tough few weeks, but there's no doubt about their quality. So we've got to make sure we match that and deliver performance. I mean, what they have had that we haven't, I suppose, is is what you alluded to there. I mean, they've got match fitness, whereas we're we're two or three weeks behind that, aren't we? You are, Chris, and, and you, people will turn around and the supporters will say, they're, they're fit professional footballers, you know, that's what they do. But, you know, yourself, there's a difference. You can train all you like. Nothing can replicate match sharpness and, and match fitness. Um, but, as I say, we've got the, the other side of the coin, welcoming people back. We were down to threadbare, really were threadbare. And to say we trained with seven or eight for the last few days, there's no exaggeration. That's been the number. That's included Senny. So we really have been there. We've had one goalkeeper and seven outfield players, for example. So that's where we've been at, which is quite unprecedented. But many teams, I'm sure, are now going to be in a similar situation. So what we have to do, really, is just concentrate on ourselves. It is what it is. We're going to train well tomorrow. We're going to be in a good place. I hope the crowd is is vocal behind us. And then you've got to deal with the championship. That's that's one of the challenges you have to face. James, um, let's let's bring in you. How are you, James? All right. He's just getting his uh, getting his mute button. Yes, that's it sorted. Over to you, James. The floor is yours. Well, it it was until he's he's frozen. Oh, the the, the joy of um, the joy of. The joy of Zoom podcast. Okay, listen, Jacob, we'll, we'll bring in you instead while James sorts himself out. Jacob, what would you like to ask the manager? Sounds good. Uh, well, Mark, again, it's it's really a privilege to be here, uh, to, to be here hearing your your responses. Um, I've got a first first question for my 11-year-old son, uh, who is who's one of the Junior Hoops members. And he said, are, are we going to win on Monday? So <laughs> <laughs> tell him this, hope so. Fingers crossed. Okay, all right. It's a good game. It'd be a good game of football. So tell him, yeah, fingers crossed, we do everything we possibly can. 
Great. Okay. Um, well, well, I guess a, a couple for me, and one is 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 jumping off a little bit what you were talking about with Paul. Is there any? Um, is there any? Con- uh, uh, have there any been any, any conversations about uh, you know bubbling teams? I, I know here in the United States, you know, last year, you know, that happened, um, and and games could go on even with fans. Is that part of a conversation at all? Yeah, I mean, Jacob, we've had this. The EFL put down the the red protocols. So without without boring everyone on the call, you know, we are very stringent. Face masks at the training ground, rolls of kit, alternating showers. You know, eating food one at a table. One way traffic around the training ground. They come out of lunch and they go straight down the stairs to their cars. They can't come in the training ground in the morning without being tested first of all before they can have any entry. So it's it's very very strict. The problem we all face, all of us do is you can have those protocols at your place of work, but then there's no guidelines from anyone about going for coffee, having lunch, having dinner with your family. What do you do? So, you know, you can say be careful, but at what point are you being careful, Jacob? At what point are you being ridiculously careful? I don't know. And this is this is a grey area. I can, I can do everything right. You know, I can be in the bubble. I promise you, I got COVID in October in the international break. I did not go outside of our bubble. I never stopped for a pint of milk. I never stopped at a garage. We played Arsenal in a preseason in a behind closed doors game. And I fell ill with COVID. And I, I, to this day, I don't know where. So, you know, what is being careful? So I hear you. I saw what the MLS did in terms of going to Disney and having the bubbles and being very strict. But the MLS is different to us here. And it's, um, it's a different environment completely. Everything is being done at the training ground. My big concern, obviously, is when people leave the training ground and what we can and can't control. Yeah, and there's, you know, also, I always wonder about the false positive tests and all those things that you really can't control, right? Um, well, anyway, um, I, I guess another kind of related question is, I, I, I'm just super curious about how leagues um teams work with work together with natural federations you know i know like when Lendon goes off he just seems to get you know worked like a mule uh and uh and i know there's some, maybe some stuff that you can't say with respect to that specifically but how do those conversations occur and and specifically thinking about if fifa is going to shorten the world cup window you know what does that what does that do for for leagues and for teams and no it's a, it's a big question jacob we could have we could be all night on that one I mean, if I can give you a, how does it work? If you're a national team manager of Team X, I, I would try and have, develop a relationship with you. And I realise that you're taking my players that we that we pay as a club. You know, they're our employees and they're in your care for the 10 days international break or the two, three, four weeks of a tournament. And we have to have that relationship to look after that player. At the end of the day, I want my players back with me and you want the players to play for you and win. Your job depends on you winning your games. And you might say to me, no, that's great. I'll look after him, no problem at all. You're going to play him whatever if you want to play him. And I can't stop that. If I try and be clever and coy and keep the player back with a supposed injury and he haven't tested and FIFA find out and the final is an infringement, they can stop him playing the next one, two, three, four games, whatever it may be. So it's a really difficult situation. You know, we they do well. They get picked for their countries. They go away and to use your term, they can get not saying flogged, that's the wrong, but they can play three games in a short period of time, come back on a Thursday morning and we're the early game on a Saturday. And, and, the, and then you don't play him and then supporters will quite rightly say, well, why are you not playing that Blazers International? Why are you not playing him? He's been flogged for the last two weeks. He's had nine, 10, 12 games in whatever period of time. We've got to try and look after him or we lose him. Now, Lyndon, was, as you, he fell into that category, 
played a lot of games, he's great for Scotland, probably established himself, I think it's fair to say, gents, as Scotland's number nine. And then we lose him for four games. And it's, you know, where's, where's, where's the balance? Where's the middle ground? I don't think there is one. I think it's always going to be a, it's a battle. It's, you try and keep that battle as friendly as you possibly can. But at the end of the day, their manager wants to win the international games and we want our players fit and fresh to play for QPR. So it's always going to be a difficult situation. Okay, James, are we? Are you back with us now? I think so. Can you hear me? James, okay, yeah, you? Got, good. Yeah, we've got a BT engineer in the house at the moment, so she might have cut us off temporarily, and that's why it went wrong. But anyway, so um, yes, my questions are: I watch quite a bit of under twenty-three action, and I just wondered which players, in your opinion, are getting close to breaking through. Um, you know, I've got people like Duke McKenna doing really well. Sinclair Armstrong out on loan at Torquay. Um, a lot of my friends are saying, oh, when's he going to crack onto the bench at least? Because he's, you know, really impressive in these uh, under-23 and Torquay matches. And also uh, the B team was launched with quite a bit of fanfare at the start of the season. And yet we haven't really seen much action. I sort of went to the first game against Brentford um, and there's been a couple of sort of behind closed doors things going on. But again, you know, Brentford, as you're well aware, played some really great uh, opponents with their B team and they take part in the local county cups as well which is something which would be of great benefit to our sort of West London non-league sides if they did that um, they didn't do it this season and lots of other clubs like you know Wimbledon Charlton and Brentford of course play in these competitions and I just wonder if there's any plans to do that next season. Now James it's a great question if I can I, if I don't answer it please tell me and I'll try and find another's another bit more information but for me my background is youth my background is coming through the academy at Watford the academy director set, you know working to set up Harefield School I traveled around Europe for a year the best clubs and then we ended up setting up what was called the next gen series a, a, an elite under 19 tournament which had the likes of Barca and Dortmund and PSG and everyone else so youth is is something very dear to my heart as it is I'm sure everyone on this call my bugbear is people just shout throw the kids in and it kills me because they've got to be good enough. They've got to be good enough to come in. So if you say there's a centre forward in the B team and I'll give him a chance, get him on the bench, is he better than Charlie Austin, Andre Gray, Lyndon Dykes, Chrissy Willock, Ilias Chair? Because if he's not, why should why is he should be on the bench? Is it a romance thing? Um, I had a friend, I won't say, well, it's Man United. There's a friend of mine some years back now, he was the best, best player in the country. Every club was camped outside of his house. He went there, he played for England at various levels right the way through, ahead of his year, and he got called into Sir Alex's office once and got told he was letting, being let go. And it was because he's got Paul Scholes and Nicky Butt ahead of him, and therefore he wasn't going to play. And that's it. You know, that's, that's the level. At some stage, this academy process, James, comes to a point where if a midfielder, Stephen Duke McKenna, doing well in the B team, he has got to be better than Honor Dizel, Sam Field, Luke Amos, Stephanie Johansson, Don Ball, Ilias Chair, George Thomas, etc. That's the standard at first team level. So I'm a big supporter of them. But I think people have got to realise it's not just this, oh, throw him in, give him a chance. I had a coach talking yesterday. You can tell I'm getting a bit ranty here. I had a coach talk on the radio saying, oh, if clubs get hit with COVID, throw the kids in. And I thought, you ignorant. I won't tell you what I really thought of him, but you can't just throw kids in. It's not fair on any party. It's not fair on the, on the player, most importantly, James. So, you know, we've got to make sure that tra transition from a uh, gifted youth player to first team is made. There could be no glass ceiling. We've got to give them every opportunity. But if we're going to have a go and we're going to push for playoffs and push for promotion, 
We need players who can deal with it. So when we go to West Brom or Fulham or Forest or Swansea or Sheffield United, we don't say, oh, they did well. We lost 3-0, but hey, the kids were playing. We lost 3-0. We've got to make sure we go there. And when they play, they can contribute to a win for QPR or, best to draw, or worst to draw. But, you know, as I say, I love the kids. I love the youth players coming through. But please trust me, they've got to be good enough. Otherwise, everyone loses. Is that, I apologise for the rant there, James. No, that's great. That's good to hear. Um, and any more news on the B team, if they're going to play any more games? Yeah, on the B team one. So again, COVID obviously impacted that. Um, and now the idea is when you have these B team games, the players who haven't been in the first team on a Saturday, so say for example, if I look at the last recent squad, say if Dom, who's been played a lot of football for the first team, if Dom Ball hadn't played the last couple, if George Thomas hadn't played a couple, if... Uh, Andre, if Ozzy Kakaya hadn't played a couple of games, they're the game that could go into the B team, get, you know, get a 90, 75 or 60 Samfield under their belt and be in a position to play for the first team at the weekend. That's to keep their, their fitness levels up. When we've been down to bare bones and they're playing on a Wednesday night and we're on a Saturday, I just can't risk it. I can't risk it. The other thing which people don't look at, James, and this may sound trivial, but it's far, it's very, very important, is if a load of those boys play on a Wednesday night, Thursday is such an important session in terms of our shape work, preparing for Bournemouth, preparing for whoever it may be on a Saturday. If we then have nine or ten players, we can't do our shape work. So we sit there going, it's great that they got some minutes in their legs, but the important one is not winning the B team, no disrespect, it's winning the first team game. And we're now diluting the quality of preparation for the first team game. But hey, it was great that they all played last night. So there's a fine, there's a fine line. They need fitness, but we've got to prepare. It's about the first team. You know, if the first team wins, the whole club prospers. So we've got to make sure we give ourselves the best chance for doing that. Great, thanks. Nice thanks, James. James. Right, so um, before we go round again, I'm conscious that um, you're not with us forever on this, Mark. No, I've, got, I've, I've got a call here. I've got an, I've got till at least till 10-2. I've got okay. another half an hour. Fabulous. Well, hopefully you should get another round in. Um, um, not that sort of round, but uh, <laughs> that'd be nice. Out of um, interest, um, Mark, <laughs> when you make that call, can you give Messi my love? And have you before the 7th of January. Time. I tend to call him. I tend to call him Leo Paul. We're, we're good mate. Um, so I, I, this is um, yeah, this is quite an open-ended, quite of a woolly question, really. But I mean, we're, we're basically at the half halfway point of the season. I think you'd be hard pressed to find any QPR fan who isn't delighted where we are, fifth in the league with two games in hands. I know it's points on the board, uh, blah blah blah. But how would you assess the season so far? I think um, players deserve a lot of credit, Chris, in terms of. What they've achieved, as you rightly say, they're fifth on the table with games in hand. They've overcome injuries and, and tough, tough fixer scheduling, i.e. the Carabao Cup, you know, Tuesday, then West Brom on a Friday, Tuesday, they're not in the forest on the Friday. TV, a lot of TV games and what that involves the schedule and how it impacts the schedule. So the players deserve so much credit. But I think we've also, it's too easy to say, oh, all is good. We've got to look at the fact that we had a dip. We, we dropped points. Peterborough is a fine example. If we're going to have a bad day at the office, come away with a one-all draw. If that's a bad day, then you'll take it. We dropped a point there, at least at Peterborough. You know, Blackpool, we're one up, not playing well, but a, a soft penalty to give away. Now, you can say it was two goals in five, but again, we've got to look at ourselves. Bristol City is the one that really hurts you in terms of complete domination of the game. So many chances, shots. Um, and then recognising the fine margins, Chris. I think if you look at the Stoke game, for example, um, we go one down and then we get the penalty. You know, and you look, you say, well, look at the two, look at the, the derby game before where we had two world-class finishes from Andre and Chrissy. And you can say, you're going to miss it. That's the nature of it. But it's that ruthless edge. If we can be as clinical as possible with the quality that we have, 
then I think that's something we've got to look at. So, yes, we're pleased where we are. Players deserve so much credit, but we've got to keep on pushing, Chris, because otherwise, if we're just happy with being where we are, we're never going to achieve our final goals, really. And as as well as the players are doing, and that, that presents, for us as fans anyway, because I know there is a business to run, but presents its own, uh, you know, uh, worries that, that other people, particularly the likes of Chrissy Willock, who's been on fire lately, and, you know, Ilias, I mean, you could go you could go through the team, which is a great position to be in, but is there worries that we could lose any of these guys in January? I'll, I'll be honest, I don't want to sound blase, and I got misquoted a few weeks back, and I ended up having a, a Barney with someone, because at the end of the day, the club, the board and the owners, and, and Lee and Les, etc., decide the value of a player. So if we're going to lose a player, we lose him on QPR's terms. It's as simple as that, you know. So if, if, if we decide a value for a player, and, and I know, you know, when I've mentioned Brentford in the past, it's only because you look at lessons learned. And what, but, but the owner at Brentford will put a price on a player. And if that price is reached, he goes. If it's a pound short, he doesn't. And, and, and I think we've got to look at it that, you know, Chrissy Willock, if someone came into you and said, Chris, we've got a 20 million pound bid for Chrissy Willock, what would be your response? <laughs> Putting me on uh, the spot. Well, no, I'd say twenty that, million. You'd, you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to go for that, wouldn't you? Really? That's what I'm saying. You see, I, I looked at, that, I heard, you know, Bournemouth say, oh, Lloyd Kelly, you've got to start bidding at fifty million. No, hang on a second. But the fact is, it's harsh in in COVID financially strapped times. If someone came in and went, there you go, Chris. There's twenty million pound per player that cost just over half a million quid a little while back. You're going to say, in business terms, anyone would take it. Now, if that money's then reinvested to get two Chrissy Willocks, then it's that type of, that's the nature of it. But it's got to be a price. So am I worried? I don't lose a moment's sleep, Chris, because if anyone goes, I trust that the board will put the right value on it uh, and the team, we can then go and reinvest appropriately. Yeah, no, that's fair news. And we have lost, we've lost some very good players. I mean, Eze, you know, obviously, you know, it's horrific what happened to him, but glad to see him back. <clears throat> and, you know, that was all doom and gloom, but yeah. Credit to you, to Les, and everybody else for, for, for bringing in these bringing these players through and, and managing them the right way. Well, you got to hope, and recruitment is so difficult because if, if you can get it right seven times out of ten, you're in a good place. When I hear people say, oh, what did you buy him for? He's a donkey, or what did you get him for? Well, the fact of the matter is, recruitment, you're going to make mistakes. So any business, you're going to make mistakes. But if you can get that seven out of ten percentage, you're in a really good place. You know, you really are in a good place. And some will come on quicker, some will impact immediately. But look at Chrissy when he first came in, I think it's fair to say, slow and getting better and better. And then suddenly he catches fire and the, and the supporters see the true Chrissy Willock. So Ilias, Ilias has all the ability, but it was always going to be about goals and assists. And now you're seeing him do that. Now you're seeing him do it and move to the next level. And that's what he has to do. And that's what he's doing right now and training really well. Rob Dickey, Sini Dieng, all these young guys, Honor Dizel, Sam Field, all the young guys. Who, who need that opportunity and time and patience. And then hopefully we see the end result. We see the, um, the fruits of their labours, Chris. Nice one. Thanks, Paul. Right. Pretty much following on from that, I, I, I'm thinking I'm, the QPR has always been a club where we've had to sell our best players and replace them. And we've always been good at that. We came unstuck when we were bad. People who would QPR-type players, i.e., what I would call mercenaries back in the day. Um, they came in, they got paired, and when we got relegated, uh, re well, not relegated last game of the season, they go off laughing. I don't ever want to see that again, a QPR player. I don't ever want to see it. I don't care who we get, bring them through. And I, I like this squad because I can guarantee that will never happen with these players. No. And to me, that's progress. And that's massive progress. Because as a fan, that hurts your mark. You know, you're looking at them, you're going, 
I'm hurting. I knew it was coming, but I'm still hurting. And I didn't like that. But I can honestly think these players, no matter what, they, they do care. But it would be ridiculous if we held them back at the same time. But it's got to be beneficial to both parties. And I totally agree. I think if we have sold players short before, I think what we got for Eze could have gone either way. He could have never played for them and gone into the reserves. And, and, but he is a £100 million player there if he carries on the way he's doing. But yeah, it's, it's business, Paul. You know, so in terms of like the, the, the florist business, I'm not going to sell my business. It's perfectly great. I'm happy with it. It's great. The problem here, Paul, is 20 million quid sold. Yeah. Because there's, there's a point where value for you, it makes sense to do the trade. And, and that's it. I, I think the point you make about pride in the shirt and want to play for the club, that when I say it's a good squad, that's what I mean. You know, mm. I, I agree. I think there's a lot of mercenaries. I think you're seeing players that fight really hard. And then when they sign that contract, the only guaranteed end, Paul, is they're going to get paid. That's the only yeah. guarantee. And I see players get four or five-year deals and take their foot off the gas and they're an easy street and that can never be a QPR player. And that's why I think if we can get that right and the fans can see it, there'll be days when we have not so good days at the office. You know, yeah. And the fans are still behind them. And I think when we've gone behind this season, I've, I've sensed a sea change in the fan base. You know the club far better than me, Paul, and, and the guys on this call. But I think you've seen the fans respond when we've gone 1-0 down. Even 2-0 down at Barnsley the fans were behind the team. And then when the equaliser went in, in the 89th or something, the reaction was magnificent. And I think that's, that that gels with the players as well. The, the players know the fans are behind them. Because sometimes you can hear stadiums where it goes quiet. It just yeah. goes quiet and it's dead and it's flat. And we can't afford either way. We can't have players who don't care, Paul, but we can't have fans who don't back the team. And this season, for me, it's the fans home and away. I say it every time. And I never want it to be taken as, as a loose comment, throwaway comment. The fans have been magnificent, but the role they can play is so, so important. And they can't underestimate that. But we're so lucky to have the ground that we have as well. That people, it, it, it works both ways, Mark. I don't think you're a football person, but you've also been, you're also a football fan. You can't cone fans. You really can't. People no. try to, but you can't. And I honestly think whatever happens this season, people are going to be appreciative. And, we, we, you know, we, I'm, and let's face it, we've played everyone. And this is a really interesting thing, I think. And I don't know if you can come on this. No one scares me. Whereas before we get to the stage of the season, I'd be flipping terrified. I'd be looking at it going, we're not going to get a win here. We're not going to get a win. If someone could come in in January and buy the whole squad and reimburse new players, happy with this. But this time, we're looking at maybe people looking at our players, um, heading towards the playoffs. That's brilliant. That is progress. And anyone who can't see that, I don't know what they expect. I really don't. I think, Paul, I don't want to take up too much of your time and bore you with this one, but I think people can talk about tactics and shape and your fans go, there's no plan B, change to a three, five, change to a four. There's all of that side of it. The most important bit is here, is the mindset. So we spoke to the players about, um, I'm going to go back to Brentford because it's a robot where we can see, we can learn from what happened there. I'm listening to Sky Sports last couple of seasons before they got promoted. And I'm hearing people say they're playing Forest, they're playing Bristol City, they're playing QPR, and then they're going to play Brentford. And I'm going, two years ago, it was little old Brentford. And now you're hearing commentators go, whoa, they're going to, you know, they're going to have a test there. And it's that perception of the club. And we've got to have people, our perception of QPR has got to be, oh, we're in for a tough afternoon. At the very, very least, if you go into their stadium, oh my God, don't let them dominate the ball in the second half. If they're coming to us, don't let them score. Because if they score and we have to open up, oh my. And you want that, not in an arrogance, mm. not in a, in a, you know, a, a casual, far from it. You want people to go, you're playing QPR Saturday. 
And if we get to that point, Paul, we're in a good place because it's a mindset one. Look at budgets. We'll get blown out of the water by 12, 13 clubs. It's not about budget. It's not just about tax. It's about the mindset of the players and the staff. When we go to some of these grounds, go there, knowing that if we play, we're going to win. We've got a really good chance of going there and winning, not trying to hang on. And if we get away with a draw, what a touch that was. That can't be our approach, Paul. So we've got to always respect the opponent, always prepare well, do our work. If we blow our best, we will get hurt. But we also know that if we perform as we can perform, there's three points there for us. And that's for me, it's a big sea change from last year. Happy days. Nice one, Paul. Um, I, I love the jingle bell sound, sound effect behind you, by the way. Um, uh, I don't know. Is that is that the dog or something? No, um, that was the front door and that was a dog barking. And he was saying they're yeah, only a bus stop in Hounslow every time Mark mentions Brentford. Uh, okay. <laughs> I always do apologise before I say it. You know that, Paul. And it's, listen, it's funny. They've actually, I saw their Sky game the other week and he was being interviewed in the bus stop and they've actually turned it around into the wee bit. So, you know, yeah. you give it, you're going to take it. Yeah, but any business you learn, you learn from past experiences and we're talking about trying to copy that model, get into the Premier League mm. in, a, in a financially sustainable manner. So what can we learn from, from all of our rivals? And, and there's, there's, no, there's, there's no doubt if, you know, the, the one about value, well, Matthew Benham, one of his very strong points was that's the value for that player. And if the value is reached, I sell him. And you look at Ben Rama and you look at Ollie Watkins, you've got all these various players. It's worked out really well for them. Exactly. But what I will say, last thing for the rest of is that at least if we go into Premier League this time and we have that attitude, rather than going for a Barton or a Basingua or someone like that, there because of the name. I'm not slagging him. Well, Basingua, I'm slagging him. He's awful. Um, and he was the one laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say nothing. And... I feel we're in a better place because the, the, the Premier League damaged this club beyond repair for a couple of seasons because we got battered. It was horrible. The atmosphere was horrible. We couldn't relate to the players anymore. And I do appreciate what you're doing with the players. You bring them back into the community. And that is a good touch. And I thank you for that because right. we needed that because we lost that for a long time. And you've got some good people there, Paul. You know, the likes of Don Ball, the likes of Jan Barbe and Rob Dickey and all of these guys. Look at the senior players. And the, and the role they've got to play, they genuinely care. I can honestly say that if they didn't care, they wouldn't be in the squad. And myself, John, Neil, all the staff would absolutely, you know, support that fact, Paul. They have to care for the club. You can't come in, train, pick up your wages and not care. Because at that, at that point, everyone loses. So, you know, there's a, there's a really good squad. They want to do well. They have, a, they have a, per, a burning desire to do well, of course, individually, but collectively and for the club as a whole. And that's a, that's a good place to be. Nice one. Thanks, Mark. Um, right, George, we'll bring back you again. Could everyone else go on mute, while, apart from Mark, while we're speaking, just uh, to try and see if we can cut the jingle bells out. Uh, George, <laughs> over to you. I know it's Christmas and all that, but... No jingle bells in this living room, don't worry, mate. Um, uh, kind of leading on from there, I've got a few questions here lined up that I wanted to ask you. Um, it's kind of, well, leading on from Paul. Um, we had some pretty dire years in terms of the connection between fans and players. Um, many managers came and tried to change that. Uh, you know, personally, Mark, I agree with your philosophy on football. I agree with, with I, I want to see attacking football. That's what I pay to see. And, and, and I'm loving what I'm seeing this season. But how does it feel for you personally, knowing that you've brought that connection back between the fans and the players? Because for years it was lost. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, I've been a season ticket holder since I was a kid. There was a few seasons pre-U where it was tough. There were some cold afternoons where I did not want to go and watch that team. It felt like a slog. 
you've kind of changed that. How does it feel for you personally, knowing that you have kind of masterminded that so far? No, it's never, it's never the individual, George. It's, it's myself, it's John, it's the staff, it's every single player, it's everyone in the department. That, that goes without saying. Um, this is a big point for me. Uh, when I was up in Glasgow, big, big club, George, in terms of the fan base, uh, and when you come out um, of the tunnel at Ibox there, 50,000 fans, a couple of people said to me, oh, you're not showing a passion to the fans. Now, I'm thinking you've got to earn that. You've got to earn the applause of the fans. You can't go out at the stadium, the Kyan Prince Stadium, Loftus Road there, and start giving it all this and hugging the badge because you would look at me and go, what an ass." That's what I think your response would be because we haven't achieved anything. And I watch people sometimes win win two or three games and start doing this with their fans and their staff. Hang on a second. You've got to to earn the respect to the fans and the applause to see you through the bad afternoon sometimes, which we all have. You've got to get some credit in the bank and you get credit in the bank by making sure the fans enjoy their afternoon out. I think that's fair to say. So you said you had some really dark afternoons and you're going to have some not so good days at the office. But as long as every player gives 100%, that dark afternoon isn't quite so grim. If you know every player's worked his socks off, it wasn't our afternoon. That happens. Every Any decent football fan will take that. But you've got to earn the respect to the fans. You know, and, and, and I, I just think for me, sometimes they confuse this passion and relationship with the fans by people just going out there and pumping it and all this look at the back of their that to me is is not is not what it's about you've got to earn any in any industry you've got to earn respect and if we can do that this year by the way we play as you're saying join attacking football if you can see the players give 100 percent, which they will do because they're a great group and if you can see that connection going stronger with the fans then we're all in a much better place doesn't guarantee you anything it but it does guarantee that you know they're always going to give it a go we've got good quality in the squad we'll create chances and if we can get that right we're going to be in a really good place but I just think you've got to earn this relationship, George. You just can't go and expect it. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally, I totally agree. It's a great answer. Um, I mean, one of the players that I've enjoyed watching this season so far, we spoke about him previously, Chrissy Willock. I, I, I've said it. I think he's one of the shrewdest and could prove to be one of the best signings we've made at QPR in terms of the price, in terms of the quality he has on the ball. He just looks so comfortable. Was he one of your kind of main targets when you when you first came in? I don't want you to give away too many secrets, but um, and 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 how far do you think he can go? No, well, firstly, you know, all credit Neil Banfield and that Neil had Chrissy uh, at Arsenal in the youth teams. That Neil obviously had, a, you know, oversaw a lot of really talented boys coming through the Wiltshires and the Lanzers, all these boys coming through the Phobies and everyone else. So Neil, we would we, we knew he knew what we were looking for. What I like about you know, the staff, obviously John and, and Neil and the staff, Gavin, etc., is the style of play, how we want to play, players who are brave to take the ball and who ticks those boxes. Now, you know, look at Chrissy Willock, technically outstanding, good athlete, yes, probably underachieved, gone from ben, gone from Arsenal to Benfica, had that experience, but probably didn't get the football that he wanted, the exposure, but he's still a very, very talented, albeit raw, a raw talent there. So again, Neil alerted it. We got into it. You know, I've, I've always liked Chrissy, John the same. Les and the staff got onto it. And the deal was done at what we think was really good value. Really good value. Um, some go wrong, George. But I think for us, when, when you have a person like a coach has worked with him, so I can vouch for a certain player if I've worked with him, Neil, John, all, Gary, all the same. So we tick those boxes. Um, and again, Chrissy, what's, what's his, he'll know where I'm coming from. More laid back than the deck chair. I use that term all the time. He just needs to know how good he can be. He needs to know how he can impact games of football and turn games of football. 
and people like Ilias and Ebbs and, and Chrissy and uh, strike players, Andre, you know, Lyndon, Charlie, etc. They've got the ability to get fans out of their seats, Albert. This is what you want. You know, when Albert turns on and a home crowd, roar him on, he, becomes, he goes to the next level. Um, so we've got to make sure that some people like Chrissy, you want that young, talented player, good pedigree, good technical base. He's got that appetite for football. He's going to have some flaws. That's why you're going to get, you know, you're paying what we pay for him and not paying 10 million quid. But if you can then iron out those flaws, George, you're in a good place. But there's no doubt Chrissy can fly. Chrissy can keep on going if he just realises himself how good he can be. Cheers, George. Um, I'm conscious that we've got 10 minutes left of the gaffer. So uh, I haven't had a call yet, Chris. So yeah, keep going. I'll let you know when that flashes up. I'll let you know. OK, Jacob. Um, yeah. Last, your last question to, to Mark. Sure. Yeah. Just in a comment first, just to, I guess based on a little bit what you were talking about, Mark, about pumping the badge. One of my favorite things about the last couple of years um, is how the team celebrates goals. Um, and, you know, and just I don't know how many times Cindy's you know, sprints 60 yards, jumps on the pile and then runs back. And I just, that, that does a whole lot for me as a fan to see that they really are, you know, together uh, as a unit. So just, just kudos to you and kudos to whatever the leadership in the locker room and however, however that goes. And, and my related question is, you know, when I listen to, to, to Jimmy and Rob and Jordy and Johan on this podcast uh, and, and, and in other interviews with, with some other folks, I just think, gosh, these are, these are the kind of um, these are the kind of men that I would want my boys to become. You know, I, I have a 13 and 11 year old son and I would want them to become that kind of men with, with that kind of character. And yeah. so my question is about recruiting. How do you find the balance of I need, you know, I need a guy who can play a center back. Um, but I also don't want to Penny to Finney's point. I don't want the mercenary. How do you find how do you find that balance? Well, firstly, Senny running 60 yards to jump on your back. You do not want Senny running 60 yards and jumping on your back, Jacob. Let me tell you that. I mean, I've got dodgy knees as it is, but with Senny on my back, they'll definitely go. So, um, but you're right. We've got pictures all, all around the training ground of them celebrating goals. And you look at the pictures and the genuine joy and delight. Uh, there's a picture of the training ground of the, of the players celebrating with the fans at Hull. Um, those type of moments. And you, you see what it means to them. So uh, thank you for that. Um, in terms of the recruitment and the character of the boys, massively important. I hear fans say, go and sign him, go and sign him. He's a wrong one. He's a bad apple. He would make our dressing room worse. Um, I don't like using the word cancerous. That's a wrong word. But you know where I'm coming from. It, it can spread in a dressing room. So that chat with the player to find out what football means to them. Where do they see themselves? Do they know how we play? Where do they see themselves in our formation? How can I add value to what we do? Uh, and just chatting to them. And also that the, the type of questions, Jacob, they ask you. So Chrissy's a quiet guy, for example. But you speak to Chrissy Willock. He loves the game of football. You speak to Ilias. He loves the game of football. But then you have an older one. You speak to Lee Wallace. He loves, eats and breathes football. And you want that. You want players who generally want to work, players who generally want to get better, and players who want to achieve. You know, you say to someone, what do you want to achieve in the game? Uh, I want to play every week. All right, is that it? Is that all you want to achieve in the game? How do you think you can get better? I don't know. At that point, Jacob, they're not the right people for you. You know, you've got to find out who is shy, who's a bit, you know, withdrawn, insular. But at the same time, their passion for the game, their desire to come and join the club, their desire to make an impact has got to come through in some part of that initial chat. And it might be two, three, four hours. It might be 10 minutes on the phone. I spoke to some players. It took me within two minutes. You know they're the right people. 
you just do because of the, the immediate feedback in their voice. But you're right, the character is massively important. We've got a really good squad of players, people like Rob and Johan and Lee and Steph and all of the guys here. They they play, they contribute. Charlie, Albert, I've missed, I don't mean to miss anyone out. Seni, they genuinely care. And all of these questions that we've had from the guys on the call, there's a common thread that they generally want to be here and they generally want to succeed with QPR. And as long as we have that, we're going to be moving in the right direction. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Okay, James, over to you. Okay. I, when I was coming on, found out I was coming on, I asked around friends and what their sort of questions would be that they'd like to hear you answer. And then probably the most popular one was quite simply, what is on your Christmas list? <laughs> a day off basically James that's on my Christmas list I've got a 25th off which I'm I'm very thankful for uh Christmas list is um yeah January January working out as it needs to work out put it that way I don't know if we're losing players to AFCON or not um it's just it, January is always a difficult difficult time so Christmas list would always be that uh, but all joking apart now we've had a good we've had a good year in terms of um, what people have been through and where we are as a club and players and squad and staff so we're very, very fortunate. So I hope very much that 22 can um, can continue that good work. Sorry to sound very old in my answer there, James, but um, I think you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> and what, what does a Mark Warburg take away the January transfers and the players saying, Gaffer, I've got a, a niggle or whatever else. What does a Mark Warburton Christmas Day look like? What, is, it, is it like the traditional get would up you, in the morning? Do you, you believe I'm a cook? I, I like cooking, Chris. That's one of my, uh, I like golf, obviously. I like uh, other bits of pieces, but I know I, I enjoy cooking. So I've got um, my daughter and uh, grandson and a partner arrived um, a little while ago. My son and his his partner will arrive as well. I've got mum and mum's 90 odd years old and, and come with my sister and, and niece, et cetera. So it's a full house on Christmas day. And um, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the cooking. But, the, the, you know, I'm always uh, a little bit reserved, sorry to sound boring, but we work in the following day. You know, we're up early in the following day and we've got important games and that's our job. And it's no point saying I had a great Christmas day, but I felt crap on the 26th and we didn't perform on the 27th. That doesn't work. So it's um it's getting a balance right. So I don't want to sound like a killjoy or Ebenezer Scrooge, but no, I enjoy that. I enjoy the family. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy a really nice Christmas day and then we move on from there. What are you doing while you're cooking? Have you got the tunes on in the background? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love the old favourites. I'm a sucker for the old favourites. So if I hear Slade come on or the Pogues and I'm jumping all over the place, Chris. But <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah, so some of the new ones don't work for me. But no, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's a day off, which is nice. And that sounds a bit, when it's really busy, I'm sure everyone on this call knows that, when you're busy at work and you get a chance of a day off and a family come around, it's a nice place to be. Oh, it's brilliant, mate. But did you have to get your, your daughter or whoever said, Dad, leave your phone alone, put it in the... <laughs> that's one thing you know what when you work in the, I sound like an old man again now but when you work in the city you never turn your phone off ever because he, he goes through the night 24 hours and I've you know I, honestly I'd, I'd left the city in 2004-5 and I think it was 2009 or something 10 I was academy director at Watford and I got a phone call at three in the morning from RBS Hong Kong telling me that level I'd put in the system had been reached and they'd given me a call and I've been retired. I'd left the city five years earlier. And it's like, you know, they'd still call you up and it's still in the system. And it's like, you just get used to it. So you never turn your phone off, Chris. Can I, can I ask one last question, Chris? It's about Christmas. And that is that hopefully you have a good one, uh, Mark, and we win all our games and it's fantastic. But on the whole, this phone call you're taking, is it A to Santa, B to <laughs> Messi, or C to um, bringing in some other players? If so, what sort of players are we looking at? Uh, uh, no, nah, well, it's none of the above, Paul. 
I can honestly so tell San- you that. So it's Santa San- then. No, Santa Lion's gone dead for me here. So I'm looking at I'm looking at a pair of golf socks or something for the morning pool. That's all it'll be. But no, I'm waiting for the uh, doing something for the union uh, a, a webinar that they had asked me to do, and I completely mm. forgot about that. And I was due at seven o'clock, and I completely forgot my daughter was coming around with the grandson as well. So when I said to my wife, "I've got seven p.m. with the QPR fans," you can imagine I got a volley of abuse, Paul. So I, I've got I, it, I've I get it regularly, Mark. Yeah, I know. So do I, unfortunately. So I've got to move that this call, and you kindly accommodated that. And I'm waiting for that one to come through. At the moment, it hasn't rung, so I'm still good until that flushes. Well, so, one, uh, thing, one last thing, sorry, Mark, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to do no, that. That's all right. um, is the pressures are everyone talks about mental health for players these days. Is there places for managers because the pressure these days is immense? I mean, it's not like 30 or 40 years ago when it was still pressurized, but these days it's 24 7. Is there, is there help for managers these days? Should there be more help? And because it looks to me like people are breaking points in the touchline sometimes. and I'm not even being flippant by saying that. It worries me the way some people are. They're, they're terrified of losing that game. Yeah, I think the LMA do a magnificent job, Paul. Uh, I can't speak highly enough about the, the League Manager Association. The level of support, the quality of people they've got in the organisation. From the moment you get the first job, they're on to you, supporting you, legal advice, financial advice, everything you need is provided by the LMA. So they are there and, and they've told some stories at the their end of season dinners, you know, big, big affairs. But they tell you some stories, some quite you know, heart wrenching stories about managers about to get off coaches on motorways and you know, then going into various clinics and whatever else because of, of where they've got to. And you're right. But I, I just think I don't know. But we're all we're all different on this call. And I don't want to please take this the right way, Paul. But there's people who are genuinely face stresses that we can't even comprehend. You know, and 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 I, I, you know, I've had my whole career. The city was stressed every day, but people say, "Oh, you have burnout." No, you don't. You only have burnout if you go out every night, drink ten pints, and put stuff up your nose and whatever else. That's when you have burnout. That's the truth of it. If you go home and go to the gym and you work and look after yourself, you 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 retire when you want to retire, or, or when you or when you have forced to retire, so to speak. So for me, I think you'd be very very careful. Someone who has genuine mental health issues, Paul. They deserve all the support they can get. What worries me is too often these days they shout mental health as a as a as a crutch. I don't want that. I want people who are genuinely struggling. Managers on the sideline, you see it. Some of them are genuinely in turmoil, and you 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 hope very much that they're they're reaching out and getting the support that they need because it is a it's a lonely place, Paul. Whatever this sounds a bit dramatic, but when you're on a touchline and the game's not going well and you're losing, you can hear every word behind you. You can hear everything and some of the abuse that rains down and you can sit there and go, well, two weeks ago, you were giving me a clap or us a clap. And now I'm getting that. But you've got to, you've got to be thick skinned. Everybody say, I'll oh, be thick skinned. You'll be fine. Ignore it. But everyone on this call is human and it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult situation. So thankfully, I'm, I'm very lucky that I can deal with that side of it OK and hopefully handle myself OK. I do see here your point, Paul. There's, there's two or three managers I, I watch and think you need to be very, very careful. And we are seeing managers who have been ill and missing games. And I think there's more to it than just meets the eye. But also, I don't want to see people shout mental health every five minutes. I've suddenly hear more and more of it. Your players being released. I need, I need a psychologist. I've been re- Come on. You know, I, I just think it's very, very important, Paul, that we, we dissect and make sure the right people get the right help at the right time. Good answer. 
Thanks, Paul. Okay, Mark, well, listen, we will let you go. Um, we'll end on a, on a positive note just to say, you know, I hope you have a great Christmas. Enjoy your day off. And we've all got the vision now of you leaping around to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, on a, on a serious note, it's a genuine thank you. You see the programme notes, I'm sure. You see me do the media. Uh, and the support, I said to Paul earlier, the support this season for me has been a different level. It really has. So I, I hope very much that if the, if the fans enjoy watching the team play, we're in a good place, Chris. So I hope very much the start of 2022 and going forward, that'll be the case. But it's a big thank you for me for all the fantastic support. And this show, doing these type of chats with you guys, it's a pleasure. So uh, anytime at all. Thanks. Thanks, Chris, man. And, good uh, luck. Thanks, gents. Have a good, have a good Christmas. Enjoy your one day. <laughs> Indeed. I'm a Fulham. <laughs> Cheers, gents. All Cheers. the best. Cheers, Bye. Bye. I go. don't want to sound desperate, but I am desperate to hammer Fulham one day. Is that wrong? Hey, where did that come from? I just said to him, hammer Fulham. I know we're not playing. Oh, did you? I didn't hear that. Sorry, yeah. And I'm just, I just think that sounds very random and weird, but I'm sick of being hammered by Fulham. I just want to make that clear to anyone who thinks I'm a weirdo. I am a weirdo. But I just thought I thought of the manager. No, I, I, think, <clears throat> I, th I think we'd all be happy to... Uh, have I mean, how many have we been through, Mark? Um, Mark, um, Chris, I'm looking at your name tag now. <laughs> Joking. Chris, how many times have we gone there and been stuffed? I mean, we've been very drunk, but we've been yeah. stuffed. I know. I know it's not good, but it's a, it's a weird decision. I think third, a division on 3rd of November, I think Fulham beat Blackburn 7-0, went 12 points ahead of them. Um, and then, you know, now Blackburn are, are three points behind them and in the space of like, you know, four or five weeks. So it's crazy. Do you know what? No one scares me. I watched Bournemouth the other day. I don't know what you, you guys thought. I think, yeah, no one's scaring me. Like normally it's part of the season, you look at two or three teams, you think, oh, they're cut above. Oh, they're going to run away with this. And I'm thinking, we can do this. This is not impossible. When 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 Jimmy Dunn came on and sort of said, why can't we finish top a second? And everyone was like, oh, yeah, well, that'd be great. But why not? I'll be honest, you've seen Fulham and Bournemouth both have a wobble over the last uh, couple of weeks. I mean, we thought they were going to be, you know, Bournemouth had the best start to a championship season ever. He thought they were going to run away with it. Now you've got Blackburn who've turned it on. You know, we, I'll be honest, I don't, when they showed up, I didn't think they looked like anything to worry us for later in the season in terms of their performance. They turned up and they, they wanted a draw. They didn't want to go for the game. So I don't really fear anyone, as you said. I don't fear Bournemouth. Um, coming to Loftus Road. You know, we've got a tricky January. You look at it. I, I didn't really get to ask Mark about it, but we're losing a few key players with Africa Cup of Nations and, and all that kind of stuff. And we've got you know, Coventry away, um, Bournemouth, you know, we've got Bournemouth at home, Birmingham away, that's a bit tough. West Brom at home, there's some tough games. But I'll be honest, I'm, you know, I feel like we've had our little blip. I feel like we've had a few games that haven't gone our way. But I said it on this pod, you know, months ago. I don't scare anyone and I go into every game thinking that we're going to score two or three. So it's just about ironing out those silly mistakes. And some of the silly mistakes are the ones that cost us against Stoke. Let's be honest, we should have won that mm. game. Yeah, I think, well, I think Mark said it as well. I think, you know, it, you, you've got to think now that hopefully other fans are going to be thinking, the Coventry fans, the West Brom fans are going to be looking at that fixture with us and say, ooh, that's a bit of a tough one. Um, and, and I think it's a shame in a way our momentum was stopped, but you know the silver lining. <clears throat> silver lining, I guess, is well. It was stopped by Stoke, I know, but generally we were playing well. But the silver lining is, I guess, that these players, all the um, the wing backs we we're missing, are now gradually coming back to fitness. Um, but yeah, James, any any thoughts before we go into ours end? Um, well, I'm I'm confident about the Bournemouth game. I really am because um, of the wobble. 
Um, for some reason, I've got the. Well, do we give predictions now or not? We wait till yeah, the end. We can, we can do whatever, mate. We, we can okay. Well, it's just We're going freestyling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the figure of a 2 1 home win in that game. I think it's one of those ones where we're going to come out and really go for it. And I think we are going to win it. Um, so I've got a feeling, I mean, just my gut reaction is Boxing Day and that sort of period isn't usually a particularly happy time for us, from what I remember, except for that, of course, that demolition of Swansea a few years ago, which went absolutely crazy. But yeah, I've got a really good feeling about this here for some reason. Excellent. Right. Well, we'll, we'll J- Jacob, we'll get, a, we'll get a last word from you before the R's end, and we'll get a Bournemouth prediction then. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I like the, I like the 2-1 also. Um, I, I would like it a lot more if, if me and my 25 friends were, uh, <laughs> were oh, at the stadium uh, the way we were supposed to be. But um, the, the silver lining, I'll come back to that for my R's in. 2-1 uh, uh, for, for, the, uh, for the game. And I just want to say um, how, really, how really fortunate we are to have somebody like Warburton leading the charge right now. I mean, just, you know, it's, he's, he's a joy to talk to. Uh, and, and clearly whatever he's doing in the locker room and then around the training ground is working. Um, and, you know, James, your question about, you know, Stephen Duke McKenna and, and, you know, and, and Faisal and those young guys like him and Chris and Les and whatever they're doing in the back, end, you know, in the back, the back end of the training pitch is, is just really wonderful. And, you, you know, I, I think the future is bright. Excellent. Uh, so, Clayton Campbell, George and Finney, we'll get your predict. George, what's your prediction for Bournemouth? Well, I was going to go 2-1, but it's a bit boring now, isn't it? It's kind of, my fund has been stolen. So, uh, let's go 2-0. Do you know what? I'm bored of conceding. And I think we've got the full-backs back, you know. I think I think our back three are, are class on their day when they don't make a few little mistakes. So, yeah, let's go 2-0, man. Let's have a romp. Come on, let's see the new year in well. Okay, Paul? I hate predictions because I, I, I've gone through the whole season getting them all wrong which is <laughs> unlike me, because I always get one of them or two of them right. Usually the wrong way. But yeah, I think we could do Bournemouth for watching the other day. And um, it's quite weird. I've said this a few times. When, you, when I've heard people say Bournemouth are working their way back to where they belong, I'm thinking the fourth division. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like, and not in a rude way, and kind of like where I've known them all my adult life. And they go, in the premiership, it's like, wow, okay, bit weird. And I think that's the thing that affects teams when they come down. They expect immediately bounce back. And it's nice that we're matching them. And it'd be nice to beat them. And I think we can beat them. Um, the team that worries me is Forrest. That's another story for another day. But yes, I think we can beat them. I think it'd be 2-1. And that's my long-winded. And don't forget the R's end, Chris. Because we do the R's end, then we do the predictions. I if, know. But this week is freestyling. I know. And by the way, I like, I like your Christmas treatments. <coughs> It was James who was freestyling. Uh, to be fair. James can always freestyle. Free. James, James has got so many coins in the bank and what he's done good for QPR, he can do what he wants. Okay. <laughs> right. And we've still got the jingle bells. So, um, uh, well, it's I'm not gonna... my jingle bells. Don't freaking look at I me. I hate Christmas. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll come to the RZ. James, we'll come to you first for the RZ. Okay. Um, well, that's a good question. I would like to probably point out, you know, there's been a lot said in the last few weeks about some of the attendances at first team games and how it hasn't been quite what it could be. And I've got to fess up and put my hands up and say, I haven't been to a match for nearly two years, a first team oh, game. God. Because COVID has been there. Um, last year, when there were a few games where it was open, it was only a select few that could go and I didn't qualify. And, and this year, you know, despite living a five minute walk from the ground, I haven't been. 
Now, there are many reasons for this, not least of all the fact that I work on the trains. So three Saturdays out of four, I work, although that hasn't been a huge problem this season, given yeah. the two games. And I do a lot of very early starts. So midweek games are often out of the equation for me as well. So there is that. Um, but as a result of all that, I've been to fit in, as I mentioned earlier, under 23, B team, under 18, and even women's games. And I'd just like to encourage listeners here who may not have done that to give it a go. If you are around, it's a really good way to keep in touch with what's going on at the, at the other levels of the club. It's really cheap. Um, and quite frankly, I'd like to make the point that I don't know why the club doesn't make more of these games. Often it's like, oh, it's going to be on recast. And they don't mention the fact that it's actually open to the public until maybe half an hour before when it's too late. And it's often pay what you want um, or no more than a fiver. So I would heartily recommend anyone who's got a, a spare afternoon or be it, or even an evening, like the FA Cup, FA Youth Cup game a couple of weeks ago was on a, a Tuesday night, I think. And it was, you know, there was a really healthy crowd there. And it was, I think, three quid. So, you know, give it a go. Support these younger, uh, these younger teams and the women's team uh, and see what's coming through. Great. Well said. Well, great, Arzen, that was. Uh, <clears throat> Jacob. Yeah, so uh, as I'm having a Lone Star beer, uh, we'll have to figure out a way to get that over to you at some point. Um, yeah, just, just I guess my Arzen is uh, appreciate what you have when you have it. Um, you know, we obviously we are supposed to be there for, for the Bournemouth match. Um, somehow we're able to, to figure out to get 26 tickets to Birmingham, um, which, which now is not, hopefully the game will happen, but we're certainly not going to be there. Um, so, you know, for, for those of you who do and are able to get to the stadium, just, just love every second of being with, you know, with your, your mates, with people that you don't know, people that, you know, whatever, because, um, it is a, it is a precious opportunity for us to be uh, together and to be able to celebrate um, and to be able to uh, to ride the the you know the roller coaster um, and I'm just sad I'm not going to be able to be there with uh, with you guys uh, on Monday uh, and uh, sad I'm not going to be able to, to be on the on the train uh, to to Birmingham. A quick shout out to Avanti West for giving us a refund. So uh, uh, you know score to them, but um, just celebrate the season and, and just be really grateful for, uh, for being part of the QPR family. Fabulous. Um, George, over to you. Yeah, there's some lovely um, RZNs there. I'm going to be a little bit, little bit less sentimental. One, I just need to moan a little bit because uh, I was away in Mexico on holiday when we played Sunderland um, in the cup. Uh, that should have been our final yesterday. That should have, or the other day, that should have been our quarterfinal. And we would have given a much better of a fight to Arsenal. Come on, we would have uh, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000. How many would, would we have taken to Arsenal? I think we deserve that. And, uh, and also, Sky, please stop putting us at random times. Just let us have a Saturday, 3 p.m. I want nothing more than to wake up with no stress, not travelling around with, I'll be honest, normally a hangover at 10 a.m. <laughs> I want to have a nice lunch. I want to have a few beers. I want to relax and I want to look ahead to my Saturday. Please stop moving us around. Maybe this is a call to QPR players to stop being so entertaining. Stop conceding and scoring so many. Just choose one. And then maybe they'll stop putting us on the telly. Let's just let's just choose scoring, maybe. So uh, I don't know how I've ended up here, but can we stop being so entertaining? <laughs> I, think, I think we're free in January, George. I don't think we're on in January, are we? 
No, I don't think so, so far. But you never know what's going to happen. I always feel like Sky are based in West London. I feel like they just, they can't. Oh, dear. It's an option. <laughs> they don't want to send anyone <laughs> to Middlesbrough. <laughs> I mean, the, the rumour has it, the reason why they used to pick QPR, Brentford and Fulham and some other team, I can't quite remember so much, is because they are basically easy to get to and everyone gets home early. Yeah, I think that might be one of the reasons. So, OK, one, let's stop being entertaining. Maybe let's move. Um, or move. Let's, no, let's, let's move Sky. Let's not move. I mean, that, that, that'd be hellish as it was. Let's move Sky. Um, yeah. yeah, like it, George. Yeah, okay, better. well, my, as, as is tradition, we've got Finney got last. Um, so, so my one's fairly short and sweet. Um, first as long as it's like that with a fiercer firing squad, I don't mind. Carry on. <laughs> first of all, a, a little shout out to a couple of our own. Uh, Gemma, who's had a, a bit of a rough trot of late. Um, and, uh, and um, also to Clive, one of several fans, uh, one of hundreds and thousands of fans across the country who are isolating at Christmas, uh, having got the dreaded COVID. So I hope you guys can have a good a Christmas as you can. And to everyone else, even Keith Shroud, Merry Christmas. Behave yourself. What the fuck are you? I wish you have a Merry Christmas for you. Absolute. What? No. I hope his turkey. I hope his turkey's flipping pink on the inside. I hope his cooker blows up. And I hope his Brussels sprouts make him fart for a year. Brilliant. Okay. Well. Well. Thanks for that. I was just injecting a bit of Christmas spirit, but that's fine, Paul. Anyway. By the way, go back to Clive. This is true. And Chris will know he's on our WhatsApp group. Clive lives near me, and I said to him, like, if there's anything you need, fella, don't hesitate to ask. And he was like, huge amounts of Peroni. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but I only drink the gluten-free one. And I'm yeah. um, sorry about that. And he gave me abuse. Yeah. So. Get well soon, Clive, and be nice to your friends. Right, Paul. So you are right. on to your own R's end now, having having finished up everyone else's. Uh, so, oh, great. make me sound like the whole good old thing. Yeah, no, um, Jacob, I'm absolutely devastated when I see what happened to you guys, and I'm sure you're not the only one. I'm sure there's artist fans all over the world, and you guys are so important to this fan base and what you do. And I just devastated is a big word, but I generally was because. It must have meant everything, man. Just to, to just and then just see it all crash in front of you like that. Ah, oh, Jesus. So when you do get over, we are properly good on the pit. I've never been drunk with a professor before. So when you get over, we're getting rad arsed. Sounds good. I will say it's probably not that much different than getting drunk with other people, but I'll, yeah, it sounds I'll, good. What did you do I'll last time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, really? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I do feel for you, and um, I, I love what you guys are doing for QPR in, in Texas, and and um, yeah, it's great stuff. And this is a shout out to all the QPR fans all over the world. You don't have to be from London, you don't have to be from W12. I'm not, but all you gotta do is love this club, and we all do that so well. And you can see that how much it means. And Jacob's right. I've often been at games and felt extremely guilty where we're having a hard time, and I'm raging, and I'm like George said earlier on. I'm thinking, I this is just shite. This is terrible. And there'll be some guy in tears near me who hasn't been for 20 years, has come from Australia or whatever, and you feel so guilty, you almost apologise and, and things like that. That's part of me, I said. Me, I said, is Chris does not want to talk about this ever. Chris did a beautiful thing a few weeks ago to help a QPR fan out. And this sums up our club. And Chris takes no credit, but luckily the person posted it on Lawful Words. Um, they were a little bit in trouble and Chris helped him out with his phone and got him a cab and sorted them out Chris you are a friggin gentleman and you're far too nice to be my friend but 
Well, that was a beautiful thing you did, mate. And um, yeah, yeah, you're a good man. I, I um, did check on it before because so I thanked him for his, but it, I, I, honestly, it's something anyone, anyone would do. But so uh, thanks very much, Paul. And uh, I'll make the most of that because this will never happen again. Uh, enjoy. Um, the other thing is, um, and this is really horrible, I, I don't like doing these, especially know them. Uh, Tom Harrison passed away and was um, put to rest this week. And I've known Pat and Tom for many, many years and was on the LSA with, with Pat and stuff. and it's just horrible. Tom was a pure gem. You know, sometimes you meet people in life and they're just beautiful people. There's no badness in them. There's no malice in them. They're just lovely people. Tom was one of them. And it, it's it's horrible for his family. And I'm sending you huge love and support if any of you are listening, and especially to Pat, who is an amazing QPR fan. And I just can't believe this happened to her. Her and Tom were so close and uh, horrible, Pat. And I'm really sorry to, to hear about Tom and... Um, Hopefully, I'll say hello to your mother and all the other QPR fans that are up there and um, they can watch from above. And uh, it's horrible, especially when you know these people. It's, and that's the one thing with COVID. We've all, we've all realised their own mentality and, and how close it is and stuff like that. So we've got to enjoy things more. We've got to enjoy football more. And um, my last star's end, because I've had three, I know that, and I apologise. It's my usual hat trick. In fact, I was so bad at football. This is why I do three. It's the only chance I get of getting a freaking hat trick. I was a bit squinty, I used to hit the wrong there. Anyway, um, it's interesting what Mark said about the support, and I think it's brilliant, and I think it would be even better once we get out of this period of uncertainty of COVID and everything else, and we get that place rocking again, because QPR is the best city in the world, and I don't give a shit what anyone else says. If they, if they say anything else, they're liars. It's brilliant. It's the best. And this season, we're getting so close to how it used to be, and I'm enjoying this season. And may it end in just the way it's going now and just having a team that plays for the shirt. That's all I can ask. Brilliant. And that is my hour's end. Thank you. I did, a, I did a prediction, didn't I? You did, yes. Yeah, you don't need to do another one. Right. I uh, reckon, here's a prediction for you. I reckon everyone switches off when I start my hour's end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's probably no point in me saying this at all, but thank, thanks to James, thanks to Jacob, thanks to George, thanks to you, Finney, um, and, and thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you have as good a Christmas as you can, everybody. Um, and we'll see you in the new year. 